I'd like to welcome everyone to today's show. Today's guest is Tim Salzano. Today we're going to discuss with Tim, you know, his early life, what led into the addiction, and you know, ultimately, you know, his progression through recovery and you know, creating the life that he has for himself now and with his family. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. Hey, good afternoon, Michael. How you doing? I'm blessed yourself. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. You look good, man. Thank you. I actually uh, just got done jet skiing like 40 minutes ago. Awesome. Hey, so if you want, go ahead and get into your early life about what led into addiction, everything else, or, you know, is something else you want to discuss prior to or? No, no, we can start with childhood. This is not a problem. Um, So really, it started in high school like ninth grade no 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 sorry i want to say 11th grade right when uh actually i moved to jersey um i was just smoking weed my uh stepfather's sister so i guess my my second aunt my get like half aunt step aunt whatever anyways <laughs> so it's just smoking weed and then i went back to the house and I, you know i told my grandparents hey you know i'm smoking they're like oh that's all right just you know let us know when you do it. Just hey, I'm gonna go smoke. Hey, I'm gonna go smoke. Hey, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off, but to yeah. kind of ask the question where, you know, it kind of goes in everyone's mind as well too, you because know, a lot of individuals, you know, that are watching this now may have kids or you know the, the teens themselves may be watching this and everything else too. So, what led into the curious? Was it curiosity being met, or were there different? emotions or things that you were trying to mask or you know try to you know cover up by smoking the weed so by smoking i was at first just trying to have fun like it was something new same with drinking you know just try to have fun and then i started to realize i was forgetting things huh i was uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i was like what huh what, what happened uh, so, yeah, you know, um, and then I was like, that, this could be a game changer. So I started smoking more and more and more and more and more. And one, I was like excelling in school. And two, I was just forgetting childhood memories that I just didn't want, like flat out my mother. Any memory involving her, I just wanted to forget. Um, just moving around a lot, just wanted to forget. And then at a point, you know, build up tolerance and weed wasn't working. So 12th grade, just went to Soma's. From Soma's, it went to Xanax. From Xanax, it went to Methadone. And I found a, I don't want to say a balance, but in reality, that's, that's what it was. It was a balance. I was going to work taking my time doing this, doing that. Then I was just out getting high. And so, now, so, so real quick. So with the, the jumping from, you know, one use to another, like you going to the Soma's method and everything else, was so, that still you just having fun or was that so much, was it, were there issues in the life that were now being presented that you know, we're just so much pressure is just coming on you to where you were really trying to find an escape or was it still in the moment no. of wanting to have fun? No, at that point it was, so I was smoking weed with 
three individuals um, a lot of the time. And uh, they were buying methadone, Xanax, and shit just for my grandmother. And it was kind of like, well, shit, my friends are doing it. Let me go ahead and try one of these. And then that was just pain went away. Fucking thoughts went away. Time just... One thing I noticed, I like getting high because it fast forwards time. It, it it just, it moves it. Rather slowly to where I can enjoy it or fast to where I can avoid it. And with the Somas, it was relaxing time to where I was just in the moment. I was having fun. I was relaxed. After high school, it got into like heroin and that was just to black out everything. At this point in time, I already got hit by multiple cars. Um, my grandfather passed away. You got hit by multiple cars? Multiple cars. So the first... You play in traffic? Was, <laughs> yeah, actually, the first two was just playing in traffic. The third one was... Actually, that was just a regular walking night home. That was before weed, anything of that nature. The, the last one was a night, and one of my friends, uh, Pinky, actually, we got done smoking a blunt that had half a bottle of liquid promethazine on it. Uh, and it was about a gram. It was about a gram. And I went to Walmart. I picked up the Xbox Connect. I don't remember getting to Walmart, but I remember being in Walmart, looking at stuff, then Remember being home, um, taking pictures on the connect, and then just walking up the road, making a left towards Krausers, and then waking up in the street to the helicopter to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. You would have thought I would learn after that time, you know, let's stop with the drugs, but no, my face was fucking hurting all the time because all this just got ripped open. So I was like, I can use my good nostril for cocaine to just numb it. Um, Xanax were just, Xanax methadone summers were just right there. It was, it was, it was there. It's in the house. It's being sold. So, um, so how, how much of it was masking the, like the physical pain of, you know, again, the accident, how much of it was, you know, masking the pain of, you know, everything else in life you know what I, I mean I, I know a lot of times you know because i deal with a lot of veterans i deal and, and you i mean you know personally that you know i deal with a lot of individuals you mm. know going through certain things and you know a lot of individuals it starts out to where because that's why i'm a big advocate against you know pain pills narcotics and stuff like that to where you know because that's where it starts you know mm. and then it's like once you start having that euphoria and that that relief from physical pain, but it's also an emotional relief as well, too, to where we find that escape and it, it just continues to, you know, progress and progress and progress. And we just find more and more uses for it for ourselves. So, I mean, I, I know it started with the physical pain, but how much of it really just progressed because of, you know, just want and need uh well more than 10% of it. Like I would say 10% was the physical pain. 90% was just the want and I can do it. Like you can't tell me I can't do it. 
fucking so example um i wanted like three xanax my grandmother's rule would be like i'm not going to sell you my xanax you sell my friends my xanax we're not going to sell you the xanax though okay my friends are going to charge me ten dollars a pop because well they want their money obviously so um but you bought them for five no sell you okay whatever hey i need my um I need my yard cut. If like I would just swindle some way to get somebody to do something to where it'd be like, all right, cool. Now I got it. And if not, I would learn a skill to get it to where like I, I could pick a fucking safe with a paperclip under thirty seconds. They teach me that, man. <laughs> Come on over. I got you. Um, but no, like seriously, I've learned like certain skills to just. Whether it was to boost my art, whether it was just talking, whether it was just manipulation or just flowery, I picked up certain whatever skills. You see, and now, with that being said, because you know I've known you for quite some time now, yeah. and I know, I know your abilities on that, the sales side of it, like just swindling, talking. I'm, I don't, I don't want to use the word swindling because what you do isn't really swindling, but you know. No. The right words you know how to relate to the individuals you're talking to you have that chameleon gift that you know it, it takes in the industry that you know i myself am in that you're in and everything else too so how much of that skill set and, and, and i see it a lot because you know you know majorities of my businesses we utilize call centers okay as you know you know so in a lot of the individuals that succeed in call centers they come from a lifestyle to where that's what they were just used to was that everyday hustle, that every day that, oh, hey, 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 this is what it is. And it's not necessarily hustling somebody, but it's just the no. you being able to read what that next person wants to hear or what they need to hear and taking with that. So how much of that life right. led into the careers that. So as with the telemarketing, so I'm mixed, like I'm, I'm multiracial, black, Italian, Indian, Puerto Rican. So I've never felt like I've belong to a certain culture like if anyone asks me what i am just like i'm i'm, I'm me i'm tip like that's now, let, me, let me ask you let me no. ask you a question let me ask you a question about that while okay. we're on that topic i don't want to cut you off i mean i, I want to hear mm -hmm. where you're going with this but you kind of like touched on an important issue that you know a lot really need to have this discussion about so because how much of that growing up so how was the culture you know i, I know you grew up in jersey Okay. Right. So how, how, how was the cult? Oh, you, you didn't grow up in Jersey? I was born in Brooklyn, moved down to Florida, moved up Jersey, back to Florida, then back to Jersey, and hand back in Florida. Okay. So, okay. So, so Brooklyn. So it's like back and forth. Yeah. So, how, how long were you in Brooklyn? I was in Brooklyn to the age of five. Okay. And well, then I was in Florida from the age of five to around. I want to say till from five to nine eleven, because I remember from nine eleven, like two years prior, we were in New Jersey, and then we were there for a little bit, came back down, and then it was from like twelve ish, yeah, eleven, like end of eleven, turning twelve, all the way to sixteen in Florida, and then from sixteen to twenty four in Jersey, and then from twenty like twenty five. And then, so now, how, how much? Okay, so with you being the vast majority in Florida, how was culture in the area where you were? 
and how much did that play into, you know, a, a lot of individuals don't want to discuss it. A lot of individuals don't like to admit it, but a lot of individuals, one of the realizations that, you know, we have in life is like acceptance is one of the largest emotions that isn't talked about. You know what I mean? It's one of the things that we just, it's on the back burner as a subconscious aspect, but you know, how much of acceptance or, you know, your heritage, your culture and everything else, did anything play into effect of like that? No. So it's really fucking weird because like I said, I'm multiracial. So not knowing my dad and then just the way I was brought up on my mom's side, I was just always adapting to fit the situation. So I have multiple accents, multiple different I don't want to say personalities because, you know, that just be like, oh, you're crazy. But like there's different versions of me that different people would know. Like at work, you know, they know me as professional, courteous, very friendly. They don't know me to have a, like a mean streak. But yet my brothers would know me to talk more with a little bit of an accent like I'm up north and do this or my grandmother knows me to be like hard-headed stubborn just i don't want to do shit um it, it all depends on the person and the mood and the way the relationship forms with them and what they really expect kind of which was uh, which was bringing me to what helps me with the call center it's it's reading people's language well speak and tonality and that's just that's what helps me adapt to certain things. Um, as for the culture, I will say from what I can remember, earliest memories, Port St. Lucie, Jensen Beach, great fucking place. So they're hard workers, but they like to lay back and they like to, it's a little vacation. From there, when I moved to Jersey, like when I started like actually getting into smoking weed, doing all the drugs over there, it was, you had people of money. Biggest example, one of my friends, Nick. Two bedroom house, a very big pool house and an own little clubhouse in the back. Dad had a red 1967 Corvette, a brand new car. And his first car was the BMW. Kid would sell weed all the time and be like, I got to hustle. My parents don't give me nothing. Walked into his house one day. His dad was like, here's 50 bucks, son. <laughs> but then you go down like three streets, like not three streets, but like three lights and make a left to like Winteringham. And then you got people that are actually on welfare. You got people that are actually like it's it's not projects like in Brooklyn, but it's a more urban area, you know, and then. I come down here to Florida and God, I fucked up coming back to Florida. It's just, you have your dignified areas, which would be like downtown St. Pete, um, certain parts of Clearwater, um, actually like where, like where I'm at right now in Clearwater, it, it's beautiful. We're, we're right on the beach. Um, Orlando, certain areas of Tampa, like Ebor, especially if you're going on a weekend. You got the nice areas, but then you have like 66th Street North, right by the trailer parks. You have fucking um, 
what was a little place in uh, Clearwater that's like right by the Mets dump clink. You have uh, like right by 46th Street North, which is just like homeless people just everywhere. And it's not the right environment. It's kind of culture shock, too, because you're like, what the fuck? And then you cross the underpass and you're like, oh, OK. You know? And the longer you dwell in those areas and don't try to get out of those areas, you succumb to those areas. Exactly. You know, and, and that's one of the issues that a lot of people don't want to talk about and really admit is that of culture shock. You know, because you do like you just I mean, you said it, you hit it on the head where you said about the you know, you do succumb to those type of environments. You do succumb to the lifestyles. You do succumb to the different. And, and sometimes it isn't even really you succumbing to that that environment or that lifestyle, it's the having to deal with that. So now you succumb to the ways that we know on how to deal with and feel comfortable with, with being within those areas and, you know, so, 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 you know, how, how much of the progression of use? So was it a steady progression through time or were there a certain transition in life that took place that, you were comfortable. So, I, I don't want to say comfortable, but I mean, you know where I'm going with this. I get where where so, um, I want to say I was always a functioning addict, you know, because um, to be honest, I never stole. I never stole. Um, I never was like, oh, pay me back and then just like flat out rob you. Um, except for that one kid that had money. Like, I still own 40 bucks to this day. And, bro, like, fuck you. Um, nobody else, though. Like, I, I was just like, no, it's simple. If I hit you up on, like, Friday and was like, hey, let me borrow, like, 50 until the morning. I get paid direct deposit. I'm on my way to the bank, back to your house. Bam. But Were there, uh, any, were there, any, were there any moments that, like, in the progression of use, were there any moments where it did become the moments where even though you weren't robbing somebody, were you robbing oh. yourself? Were you robbing family because it oh, was yeah, the, yeah. No, the no, last yeah. dollar spent? And stuff so, like that. so there was around three times when it was like that. The first was when I was just, I was just smoking weed all the fucking time. I mean, like at least an ounce every three to four days. And I was just like, yo, forget it. Instead of going to GameStop and like trading in my games over there, getting like 20 bucks back and buying a new video game, just going to pawn the video games at the pawn shop and get the money. I'm keeping the system. You know, I'll still buy a new game every once in a while. But once I'm beating it, I'm training it and I'm getting some butt. Other time was, like I said, I could pick the safe. Grandmother was selling, didn't want to sell to me. She was getting a, a, a large quantity, I figured she wouldn't miss 50 of each. So I would break into there. Just 50? Yeah, 50 Xanax, 50 Methadones, because that would be enough to where I keep five of each, because I didn't like them like that. I mean, I liked them, um, but the way I had it was where I'd be – Methadones, they get you high for 24 hours. So I would, like, break a quarter, snort it, take his annex like an hour or two later. And, you know, that one methadone, I would just break up from a 24 hour period. So that way that 24 hour high would just last 48 off of each one. Um, 
but the rest I would honestly just go and sell for just weed or whatever the fuck I wanted. Or I would just give them away. You know, just under, undercut my grandma. Like, oh, well, you, you know, friends only come by because they're buying your Xanax. So, there you go, guys. You want to come play Dragon Ball? No. Um, and then the last time was it, it was at the fucking trailer park. But um, I wasn't robbing or stealing for that. And I wasn't. The only thing that I'd say I sacrificed that out of that was the relationship with my child. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I want to kind of get into is, you know, for the viewers and everything else, I just, that's why I was kind of wanting to do this in like in a sequence. Cause I want to go over a couple of the things that, you know, led into like the heavy use and what really triggered, you know, what, this is the death of what I used, but I'm not, you know, because, and, and that's why I wanted to trigger everything on this is because of the, the length of time is important of how long you were actively using. So that's why I really wanted to kind of start with your youth, no, I got you know, have the viewers be able to understand, you know, how long this was the normal for you. And then, well, you see, it was the normal for about, I had my kid when I was around 24, 25. So it was the normal for around two years, no, a year prior to him being born. Because me and my me and my ex, we dated prior to her, me and her getting together again, which led to her having a kid. Um, but the time we got back together after the initial breakup, I was like, all right, look, I'm just going to smoke weed. I stopped the Xanax. I stopped the methadone. I I just gave up everything. And then, actually, we moved down here to Florida. And you know, I was clean, like, good year, two years, just smoking weed. And we, Was she already in Florida, or was she in Jersey? No, no, we were, we, were, we were in Jersey. We were in Jersey, and me, her, and the baby, we all moved down here to Florida. Um, to her dad's house, and then we met some friends, and I tried ecstasy for the first time. I was hanging out with the guys; she was hanging out with the girls. You know, like I had a like I had a DD. She gave it the green light. I was like, "You sure?" She said, "Go ahead." I said, "All right." So yeah, and then we got kicked out of her dad's house, and then we got into the trailer park, and. Me and her started doing ecstasy every weekend, every, every fucking weekend. Um, and sometimes Coke. Um, I think we tried Xanax once, but well, she did. You know, obviously, I already had done it. Um, and then one weekend, it went from Friday we did ecstasy, Saturday we did ecstasy, Sunday. Me, her, and the two people that were staying with us at the time, we all did acid. And then the next day, I doubled up on acid. Then the day after that, I quadrupled up on the acid. And then the day after that, I got a sugar cube of acid. And then the day after that, Gordon said, hey, I'm out of acid, but I got meth. And then from there, it just spiraled. It, it spiraled. Yeah. And that, so, is that, so is that where, and again, you know, going back to, 
we all do what we do for a reason. We all have, you know, and a lot of people say that, hey, I can control what I do. But, mm. you know, every individual, we, we have addictions and we have the addictions for a reason because that's, Honestly, that's that euphoria and stuff like that. So the so, progression, the, hold on, what I'm trying to get at is like the progression of how, like you just said, you know, it was the acid, the acid, the acid, the acid. Then you came into the method, the meth. So what, what you I'm not going to say euphoria, but what did like the progression when you started with the weed, you went into the soma, Xanax, and you know, the progression, the cocaine, the, uh, the acid, you know, ecstasy and everything else. Were, were there different effects that each one gave you that caused the progression or, you know, mm-hmm. somebody look at it as a digression so, or with the methadone, it feels yeah. better. Yeah. So with the methadone, this was at the time when my grandfather passed away. So, I was already depressed and methadone just makes you like and just down like that and that was how I was feeling and it it amplified it. Um when I first started smoking weed like it was just great my head was just always up I was energetic and that was just it was where I wanted to be. When it came to the other drugs I was just unhappy where I was at relationship wise career wise and i was like really just unsure with everything and then we started dealing with something where we were getting false evicted with that house from i remember yeah from the people that sold the trailer to the person we were buying it from and i don't do good with anxiety you know after like jail and everything i realized me and anxiety don't do fucking well like every time i have to go to court i get anxiety and i have to have like a breathing exercise um certain things it's i like i I have to have a breathing exercise before it because my anxiety just makes me want to go and just fucking like i want to go have a drink and want to go get high but i learn breathing exercises or like out like little weights little little hand scratcher thingies too um but the meth just that opened creativity that opened up a lot of what i am indoors i was allowed to be outside so inside i'm goofy funny very outspoken like a lot of people unless you live with me you'll never see that person when I was on meth, I was going to work with my headphones in, listening to like trap remixes of fucking cartoon theme songs and like 80s, 70s, 60s songs, Frank Sinatra, Louis Prima and shit on dubstep. And I was walking through the damn streets, just bopping, dancing, having a good time, talking to random people like, hey, how's your day going? Great, good. Have a great day. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, even a few people walking downtown, they're like, that was you? And I'm like, yeah, that was me. Oh, great. It's good to see you doing good. And I'm like, thanks. But that just, it created a whole different fucking persona. And, you know, like, it was was it Was it different, though? See, and, you know, I I don't want to say that to encourage or kind of fog this but i want to like tread lightly on this but because a lot of times it's kind of like how individuals call alcohol like the truth serum 
Mm. Whereas the, you know, a lot of times when individuals, the reason why, you know, a lot of times, you know, drugs, alcohol, they do two different things for individuals. A, you're either masking something, hiding something, making you feel comfortable or something. B, it lets you be who you really are. And, and that's the part that a lot of people don't want to admit to where, and, and you just hit on it, to where a lot of times it takes that alcohol use, it takes that drug use for us to be able to say, hey, I can finally be me. So that's what causes that progression in the use because we're able to open ourselves up. We're able to do the things that actually interest us and go into that. You know what I mean? So with that, I can say no, absolutely fucking not. So I started heavily, heavily doing meth two weeks after January 8th. The deal was if I stayed sober for two weeks, my ex would come back. She didn't. So after the two weeks, I said, fuck it, party up. Now, the first <laughs> month, fantastic. I was outgoing. I was happy. I was, I was going and doing things and not giving a fuck. Um, yeah, I was still blowing her up. Uh, like it's, uh, blowing her the fuck up, like nonstop. Um, but at the same time, thinking back on it, if I wasn't blowing her up, it would have been a lot more fun. I was trying just into conversating with new people, being able to just be alone and be myself. By the second month, it was getting over i i want to say overwhelming i was up fucking three to four weeks at a fucking time with maybe 30 to 40 minutes of sleep where i would be drawing i would my my routine would be let's just say i just woke up i would get on the bus i would get up get dressed get on the bus by six o'clock get to downtown st pete by 7 30 maybe eight o'clock ish depending on the bus walk a fucking round. I would have a little bit of tinfoil, a fucking, a torch on me and a small little bag. I would take a fucking line, eat a little bit, walk around, go to verify, like the job I was working at at the time. By lunchtime, I go in the bathroom and I'd snort or eat some, come back to work, go to the fucking, get on the bus, ride the bus home, probably snort some on the bus, get into the fucking trailer. And for from eight o'clock all the way until six, seven o'clock again in the goddamn morning, I would be stationary sitting on my couch with a light bulb that I fashioned into a fucking meth pipe, my fucking laptop, about 200 pieces of paper, a diaper box full of coloring pencils, and I would just sit there and draw anything I knew my son liked, anything I thought my ex liked, weird fucking mashups, fucking just anything like just anything to keep me distracted to where actually I, I went a few months ago and looked on my, my profile page. I did a hundred drawings and colored in one fucking night by the third month. I was just a corpse. My face was like in, but because I was also working out towards the end, cause I just got sick of drawing. 
my arms were big, but my rest of my body, I was 120 when I got fucking arrested. You were prison built. <laughs> yeah, bro. I was like 120 pounds when I got into fucking, when I got into jail. It was, it was just disgusting because all I did was just sit on the couch and meth makes every fucking emotion 20 times more powerful. So when I'm angry, I was beating the shit out of my refrigerator. If one tear dropped, it became a fucking waterfall for like an hour, you know? So just, it, it was emotional fucking roller coaster all the fucking time. So when I got into jail, the first fucking four days, I just slept. By the fifth day, I just started blowing up my lawyer. By the third week, that's when... Oh yeah, that's uh, that's when uh, like the realization and everything set in, and I actually met a few prisoners in there, who just not well not prisoners but uh, inmates in there that are waiting to go to prison because this was during like COVID, and they were all like Mexicans, Spanish, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and they they sat me down, they talked to me invited me in their Bible study, which I started getting into very seriously with them. And then as I was doing that, that's when I started watching and I started noticing everybody who was in there and like listening to what they were saying and how many people were like, yeah, when I'm getting out, I'm going to go do fucking meth again. And and like, this guy is missing all his fucking teeth. He's fucking skinnier than I am. Fucking just all fucking tweaked out other fucking dude coming in all fucking like he just wants to do heroin and he's just a fucking transsexual cancer patient who's homeless. And I'm like, no, this, this shit has to change like right here. You know? Um, yeah, that's, that's real talk. And because like in the title of this, when I was talking about what we're going to be discussing, because in, I, Again, I'm going to tread lightly because I know how some individuals, you know, take certain things. But because with addiction, there's addiction, there's choice. Okay, and you you always have both sides combating either side. Okay, so mm-hmm. just for just for complete transparency for everybody viewing and everything else too. So I've I've known Tim for you know quite so many years now, and worked with Tim. I've watched him progress. I've watched the digression and, you know, I've witnessed family life. In fact, I married, you know, Tim and, you know, and I've watched things, you know, progress, digress after that. And that's one of the reasons why I feel it's important to bring him on here because of the, you know, the, despite the tragedies that, you know, Tim has sustained through the course of his life, the progressions, the changes he's made and everything else, which we're going to be getting into here shortly. I believe that it is vital for individuals at home viewing this to understand, you know, how far down a path an individual can go. And sometimes it may seem like an impossible climb out of that pit that they just dove down into, but it is possible with the right mindset with, and if Tim just described as far as the, Hey, look, that's not me, you know, and that's why I titled this whole interview, you know, the death of who I am not, because it's the him being able to see everybody else and realize that, hey, that's not me yet. It may have opened up different doors. And, you know, your drawings are phenomenal, by the way, Tim. Thank you. And but, you know, and 
you know, even at the office, you know, I could see, you know, certain moments because, you know, of you both being there, you know, and unfortunately, because when, when certain instances were happening in life, it affected the office. Yeah, you, 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 you held, you held pretty good. I don't, I don't want to get into that too much, but you know, it affected both of you in a way to where I, I could visibly see the difference in, you know, because of the emotions playing a factor on that. And then just so many just mind fucks going on with the both of you. And, you know, outside of that as well, too, I've known you outside of work and, you know, and I know how much that that roller coaster, you know, can be the where you're just doing that steady climb because it's just tick, 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 tick. And, and there's really no rush. So then all of a sudden that that downward spiral is always like, the wah, you know, it's, really? the, the down part's always the fun part. Right. <laughs> you yeah. <know? laughs> and then climbing back out of that, though. So it's the and I know a lot of times it's the we like to blame certain things in our lives or we look back on the tragedies that we've sustained in our lives to where, but you know, it's, it, it wasn't always, a, I mean, it, it wasn't always a tragedy, but in the same sense, you know, that's why I get into how far somebody was in their addiction prior to where they go through the course of life. Because let's just say when we met an individual, individuals that I always say like, you know, Hey, pick somebody up in a bar. Okay. I, I don't try to degrade, you know, picking somebody up in a bar. I've known individuals that that was the place that they met and they've had successful lifestyles and things like that. But in the same sense, when you have an environment of where you've met your friend, you met your significant other, you've met whoever in your life, your, your, even your business decisions, mm. you know what I mean? That environment where you, you were in at that moment, when that becomes your lifestyle, was that really your lifestyle or was it that fogged mind in the use of alcohol, drugs or anything else? So then lack of drugs, alcohol or anything else becomes absent and you start seeing the real, let's just say, you know, it, it becomes that that reality check that just, you know, comes in to where it's the just like you just said when you were in there and you were sitting there seeing all these other people like that, like that's not me. And, and the same thing happens in real life when we're with our significant others, we're with our family, we're with our employers. Where it's like, fuck, this, we, we have that, I don't want to say come to epiphany. God moment, but it's the, yeah, the, the epiphany to where, hey, this ain't me. And it's just that, that awakening happens. And a lot of people see it like destruction. But how much of it really is destruction rather than the course that, hey, you know what? You know, sometimes we have to take those hard roads. We sometimes we have to, you know, sit there and go hit the the speed bumps, the, the uh, potholes and everything else that may lay in the way to lead us to where, you know, we can now sit to where normal life is that drug. Normal life is that euphoria. Normal life is that high. So how how much of kind of what you just said as far as the seeing the other people how much were you carrying or storing or storing or kind of just playing the role in the moment i like led up to hey where i want to be and this is how i'm going to progress forward now what was the awakening moment was it that moment when you were sitting there seeing everybody else or did you have an awakening prior to that so and then that solidified it I had multiples, multiple awakenings. Um, I just chose to, to like fucking ignore them. Um, 
So like when when my ex left, you know, there was an awakening and I stayed clean for two weeks. I was like, yo, I I want her back. I want the baby back. Like I, I want to be part of my kid's life. I got dicked around and then I was like, well, fuck you, fuck me. I'm going to fucking, you know, there's no fucking point, you know, right? Like if you're not going to hope your part, I'm not going to pull my part. I mean, I'm having fun doing this shit. If you're just going to be doing this anyways, I'm going to do it. Fuck you. Hey, hey, time time out real quick. Mm. I don't want to cut you off. A lot of times, you know, we as individuals mindset to where it, it, it's almost like a test from the other side. Again, that we're sometimes it's the hardships that they're really not even hardships. They're blessings to us. Mm. You know what I mean? But how much that other side tests us or push us the because they want to see us in misery. And it, I've witnessed this with, I mean, cause I've known you for a while and I, I've known I, you, your ex, I, I know both sides. So I do see, you know, that I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Oh, no, I'm so not that, touching you, but yeah, it just leaving the progression because I, I know the games that have been played. So I know I play- how much you not seeing little Timothy has played into this. So, that, so that's why I want to touch on this as far as the- know, I can touch on that right now. So like that was happening a fucking lot. Yeah. You know, like I'm no fucking saint. Like what? I know it's hard to believe. Right. right. No, um, like I'm I'm no saint. Like everything that I've done in my past, like I admit, like I robbed my grandmother's fucking Xanax and her methadones. I haven't got any chance to admit it, but I, I I cheated on my ex at one point. Um, I put her in a bear hug at one point, which she said was a chokehold. I stabbed a knife down and slipped, slipped my hand. I have slipped my wrist. I have committed suicide multiple times. Not sorry, not committed. I have attempted to like try suicide. Like I had a month spree where like every week I went home and tried a different way of killing myself and it just didn't fucking work. Um, you know, but there was times where I would play on her and she would play on me. One of those times would be fucking, she fucking goaded me in. I was like, what, you want me to just kill myself? Like, you, you know, this is what I'm doing. And she was like, go ahead, go get the knife now. So I got the knife and I took a picture. I was like, well, like this, this is what you want. And she called the police to try to get me fucking hospitalized. But then it would be reversed as in, I, I don't know, there's so many fucking different explanations on my end. Um, just just to sell, like the bear hug or the fucking, just the fucking slamming the knife down. Fucking, you know, like th- that type of shit. Um, threatening to beat the shit out of her parents. You know, like if they, so... Yeah, if they whitewashed my kid, which to elaborate on that, I meant like I was playing basketball with my kid at one point and I was like, no, NASCAR, you know, like that's that's not necessary in my eyes if I'm playing a basketball game with him, you know, and that to me is whitewashing. I have no problem with NASCAR, no problem with the kid learning NASCAR, no problem with the kid learning country music and everything like that. But if you see that I'm doing an activity with him, don't come up and be like, hey, no, NASC. I think that's, you know, understandable for most people. Um, 
but still, so there was the egging back and forth. And with that, I mean, like I said, me and anxiety don't go very well. And at the point, me and emotions didn't go very well either. Uh, I will say, jail, if you fucking sit there, you take all the resources, we'll teach you how to fucking handle all that. And especially when you're in a cell with three other men that are just fucking assholes. And you know, if you throw hands, either you're going to get your ass kicked or you're going to spend more time in jail. So you got to learn how to control your shit. Um, I lost off track on that one. But for the egging part, it, it does go back ways and it would just make me want to go out and be like, fuck it, I'm going to go smoke. Uh, so now I, I do want to touch on that real quick because, again, going back to culture, okay, mm. to where whitewashing, because it does happen. It, it's, it's not talked about. It's not even really addressed as it should be addressed really because when like in, and especially in today's culture in today's society to where you see more of, you know, multicultural relationships and uh, everything in that aspect to where, you know, one side of the family does have their viewpoints. And again, going back to, you know, ancestors and things like that, mm. parents, grandparents of what somebody's viewpoint on is what is right or how they see their kid growing up. And a lot of times with, you know, hobbies, interests, even religion is mm. forced on children towards that. Hey, this is going to be the way it is because this is our culture. This is our, you know, upbringing mm. where when you have that cross culture to where is the, Oh, well, no, they're going to do this to where, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about whitewashing the white privilege, all this other stuff that, you know, really does exist. But, individuals don't want to admit it they don't want to face it and especially when it comes to relationship it causes a big tug of war that causes like you just said that anxiety or the hey look i'm not trying to force anything on my kid i'm trying to give my kid what is the best for him or giving him the options to see both sides of it so how much of that played into like you know you feeling restricted which creates that anxiety which then creates you know the the feeling to use or you know to kind of shelter yourself when it comes to like racial stuff honestly when i was a kid being in like say i would go to jensen beach and for like a kids fair or like what field day or some shit like that right yeah yeah. uh and there was like a whole bunch of white kids and i was the only black when i would look at my grandmother and be like hey i need y'all to stay like right right here not because i was scared but just because I felt uncomfortable, like at any given moment, some people be like, oh, okay, you know, like a commodity or some shit. Plus at the time I also had an Afro and everyone was just like, oh, can I touch her? By the way, annoying as fuck for people to ask and just come up and say, can I touch your hair? It's yes, I know it's soft. I know it feels like a sheep. It's it's curly. It's nice. It's beautiful. But you sound like you're promoting it, man. <laughs> no, we don't like you touching the hair. Um, but it was it was just awkward. Um, as for with my ex, um, you know, same thing. First day meeting her mom, I remember her mom taking a picture of me and sending it to her dad and saying, "This wouldn't happen if you left." Oh wow! What wouldn't have happened? Um, like she wasn't pregnant at the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, then still, for the like, just I didn't feel accepted by anyone in her family really 
until except for her grandmother, her her great her grandmother Nana, you know, is like really nice, sweet lady. Her dad and I, it took a while, um, but after I got out of jail and he saw how much I changed and how much like I want to be there and my reasonings for wanting to be there for you know our kid and his grandson, um, me and him. I was renting a room for him for the past year. So our relationship definitely changed. Um, other than that, yeah, there ain't nobody in her family that I, I can say I honestly like get along with. And it's not due to the fact of just me being an asshole or some shit of that nature. Cause there was multiple times where, you know, like I helped her mom with her yard sale. Um, me, her, her mom went to fucking New York and her mom was in a wheelchair and I'm like, yo, Hey people get out the way. Yo, Brie. Uh, I, well, shit. Um, hey, um, you're not gonna wait for your mom, like, yo, you, your sister, like, come on, like, I show respect, and I think you, you know that, you know, like, I may be an asshole. Some people know me as an asshole, but when it comes to elderly or shit like that, I do show respect. You know, and a lot of that plays into, like you just said, you know, where no matter how much respect you give or how much you show that you're a human being that back of the mind that the other parties, you know, have really, as far as you know, that it isn't because of being the asshole or, you know, your personality, your character, it is strictly based on the fact of that back of the mind, mind fuck that they have going on about culture or about race or about anything other than, and kind of how you just made the comment to where, well, Hey, if you didn't leave, this wouldn't be her, her yeah. life right now does play a, a large role in that so how much per, how much i'm not going to say how much did that play in there because I, I knew that you know you didn't base the relationship that you had off of you know how her family felt about you but still i mean that still has to play you know a role in how you feel emotionally how you feel in the relationship as a whole being timothy's father you know being with you know your ex everything else you know how much did that play into if any into the overall relationship between the both of you to play a lot man um because it's and the, the reason i'm asking this because I, I do understand you know because of you know my role what i do with individuals and things like that so I know it has to play a large role. And when, when you see yourself trying to, uh, prom, not, I'm not going to say promote, but create a future for yourself, for your significant other, for your child and things like that. And you see every other just roadblock restriction. Hey, you, you know, we really don't feel this is right. Blah, blah, blah. That yeah. plays a large role into that progression. So then what happens when we can't progress the way that we see ourselves, the way that we feel it, it we don't have any other avenues to, to deal with that. You know what I mean? So when it comes to finding new outlets now, um, I don't do what I used to do, obviously. Like when I get too anxious, pissed off, I don't go smoke fucking meth. I have my medical card. So I smoke a joint every now and then, you know, um, but my main thing now is just, I just make myself look good. Me and my, my, I definitely help with my girlfriend. Like 
he's just like, hey, you know what? We're going to where are we at right now? We're going to Sand Pearl Resort, Clearwater Beach. I booked us two massages and I bought red test jet skis for the day. Or fucking she'll come and pick me up from work and she'll have like a fucking 200 pair of fucking vapor maxes for me in the fucking car. Or if like I'm really upset, like I'll be at work fucking good example. Fucking Wednesday, I, you know, had to go to court fucking told my ex, hey, child support's going to be late. Day afterwards, I hooked her up and I'm like, hey, I'm sending three packages. Where's child support? Look, I, I told you yesterday it's going to be like Saturday or Monday. Yeah, like it's going to be late. It's due. It's due. Okay, whatever. Look, it, you're getting three packages. You can't co-parent peacefully. Not continue this argument. Next day, I guess one of the packages got there early. I got told, don't send toys, clothes to my house for our uh, for my son. I have supervised visits that don't even start until the court order goes in. I thought this would be okay. Keep them at your house for him. You see where that makes no fucking sense. So instead of arguing, saying something stupid or starting a fight, you know, which obviously because of my past would make me just look wrong. I went out and I bought a $300 pair of Yeezys. And then on top of that, I bought another $100 pair of motherfucking Don Mitchells just for the fuck of it. Like, that that's my new thing. Whenever I get to, to the point where I'm, I feel like I would want to go and use, I go buy a new pair of shoes. Whenever I get too depressed because I can't see my kid, I go buy a new fucking jacket. I go buy, a, let's be real, I go buy a new pair of fucking shoes. Um, you know, like, even my tooth. You remember I was missing a tooth, right? That is, it's not void now. That, that It's filled, you know? Like, I work on my outward appearance. I work on my inward appearance. Instead of spending... $150 a fucking week on fucking meth, fucking upward to $200, I'm putting that money into myself. Um, I'm fucking living life. I'm just, I'm trying to just be fucking happy. So now, how much of that is, again, going into, you know, as we spoke about with early life, you know, and, you know, a lot of individuals, we just change our high. We find that new euphoria. We find that new avenue to make ourselves feel good. So, you know, and as you just described to where, hey, we're able now to go ahead and treat ourselves. It's the it's that new high. So before when we're sitting there smoking weed or, you know, eating the somas, eating the Xanax, doing the meth, doing the methadone, anything else in between, we're treating ourselves because sure. we're, we're in that moment trying to make ourselves feel something. And that's why, you know, a lot of times when, you know, and, and I tread lightly because, you know, everybody's always going to, you know, get a hair up their ass or, you know, take it the wrong way in regard to, is it really an addiction or is it a choice? You well, know, because, you know, it's still, you may be addicted right to the aspect of wanting to make yourself feel good, oh, which yeah. every human being wants to make themselves feel good. But the choice comes into play to where what is going to be that filler that makes me feel good. So if you want to go out there and treat yourself to a new pair of shoes, a new jacket, at least that there is a number one, 
it's it really is affecting your outward appearance as you just described because now hey look instead of me walking around you know wearing the same thing day after day after day after day because i'm lost in my addiction i wear this new shoes every day of the month you got like what, like i got th- i'm up to almost yeah i'm close to 31 pairs of shoes <laughs> and it's, it's just growing but no so i would say it's a choice um I chose when I got with my my ex to stop using. When we got down here and we started working and I met, you know, my one coworker, I chose to take ecstasy because I wanted to have fun. You know what I'm saying? Chose and wanted. I chose. I wanted to have fun. When I kept doing the, the ecstasy every weekend, that's because I wanted to have fun partying like i saw in the fucking in the videos and the music like on in the, in the movies and shit like that's what i know as fun from high school i know oh everyone's having fun popping ecstasy popping xanax having drinks okay cool i got my first house let's have fun like that's fun video games fun doing the drugs fun i didn't know going to resorts i didn't know going to dinner. I didn't know all that shit and my Ex just wanted to just sit, just just sit. I mean, she wanted to go to the beach, but that that's all she wanted to experience in life. And be honest, how many times can you go to the same fucking beach and experience different things? No, after the fifth weekend, let's come back in a month. You know, um, but still, I lost track. Where 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 were we? Sorry about that. No, you're just talking about how you like you're doing the same thing. Oh, over choice, right, right. interest, everything else. Yeah, but no, so it's it it um with addiction, it's a choice, you know. Um, when it came to the meth, still I stopped, and then it came to a point where I knew like there wasn't going to be repercussions after a certain incident happened. So after waiting about two weeks, I started again. You know, and things were good. And then I got hit with all debatum again and I stopped. Then I started. Then when I got out of jail, I had the fucking option. Yo, I'm I got out of jail. The first thing I did was went to the goddamn trailer park. And it wasn't to get high. It was to see if my shit was still there. And literally everything from when I was a child to most of my kids first like stuff for birthday, first Christmas, everything was just the whole trailer was ripped the fuck out and just removed. Like there was lot 38, there was lot 39, dirt patch 41. You know, then of course what I do, I went to Todd's house. Todd wasn't home. Went to Jared's house. Jared wasn't home. Went to Ashley's house. Ashley wasn't home. Walked all the way to fucking my very first neighbor's house when I was living with Brianna's dad. And he was like, yeah, you can use my phone. Da, 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 da. I got in contact with Brianna's dad. And he was like, yo, we got your stuff. And from there, it was just like, no, I want to be successful. I want to see my son. I want to do this. So addiction really isn't a fucking, it's not a, a, a disease. It's It's a choice. It's a choice that can turn into a disease, but in all honesty, everyone has an addiction. People who wake up and they have a cigarette in the morning. People who go and have coffee every fucking day. 
people that have to fucking go out and buy new shirts or new shoes, people that want the new fragrances, people that have to stay at work or have to overachieve at work. There is something everybody's addicted to. Shit, if you go to fucking oh, oh, what a bagel every day and get a fucking everything bagel every day of the week, sorry to tell you this, my friend, you're addicted to everything bagels. Like, we all have our vices. It's just turning them into something that's going to be not destructive or beneficial. Right. And then now, how has the progression gone as far as you know, with Timothy? Okay, so I, I know a lot of you wanting to see your son, not just see your son, but be more involved in your son's okay. life. And it's because, again, that exposure is vital that, you know, a lot of parents in the world really don't understand. So, parents don't want to talk about, but, you know, exposure to, you know, mother, father is one thing. But then again, culture, you know, comes into play and a lot of relationships nowadays to where that exposure is vital to that child's upbringing and things like that to where, you know, when you take culture out of it, when you take exposure out of it, that child's norm they're going to grow up confused because if it's just a part-time thing of when you're seeing this opposed to something that you're exposed to on a daily basis. So, you know, a lot of individuals that know me, a lot of individuals that don't even know me, like I, I grew up and I was racist. I was racist because of that aspect where there was no exposure to anything else. It was the, the norm. It was the, Hey, this is the here and now this is what is normal. This is, the accepted environment. This is the accepted culture. This is the accepted everything. So then when that exposure comes in, it's just like, oh, hey, what's the what's the big deal? You know, it does become a big deal because when you take that other aspect out of life or out of what the norm is, it, it not everything is, it has to be racist, but in the same sense, when you have that lack of knowledge of that other side or that other demographic or that other, you know, presentation, there's a blind ignorance that gets instilled. And especially when you're dealing with children that are blocked from or held from or restricted from the other parent or the other parent's environment, the other parent's culture, the other parent's presence. You know, so and and you see so many relationships that they use that kid as a, a tool, and it and it's a deadly tool at times. It's a weapon yeah. more than so, it is the tool. So I I could tell because I was a fucking tool. So the moment my uh, my mom was born, she told my dad, pss, pss, whatever. And like he went to jail one time, and she was like, "No, I'm done." Well, from what I was told, is he tried to get back with her. She said no. Then she tried, and then he said no because he had better shit going on at the time with my brother's mother. And then she met my stepdad, and then whatever. But every time my dad tried to reach out to me, like via letter or whatever, my mom blocked it. I got letters now from my dad that, like, I didn't even know about, like, for a bit, you know? Um, but that's the same shit I told my ex. Like, hey, look, you know, my mom had me hidden from my family until I turned 18. I didn't meet my brothers until I turned 18. I didn't meet my dad's sisters or mother until I turned 18. 
You know, I was like, that's one thing I don't want is to not be part of this kid's life, you know. Um, but now it's no, this is this is my son. Um, if you want to see him, you can take me to court. So I I did the proper channels, you know, I spent the money. I got a lawyer. I did the petition. I'm going to court. I have to jump through way more fucking hoops that than that are necessary. Um, but I'm still doing it with no problem and a smile on my face, even though there's no contact with my child. I can't, she's not allowing me to have phone call. Um, I, as I stated earlier, I can't, you know, mail presents. I, there's nothing holidays, Christmas, even our birthday, you know, like there's and then how, how, how much of that played into and And again, that's why I kind of wanted to have you on the show in the first place because when you look at the vast majority of addicts alcoholics it pisses me that off. i mean i i get that point no 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 it might like it pisses me off for this i've been told by four different people four different things one was from a black dude that's still not with his baby mama but sees his kid often he's like bro i sling crack and beat the shit out of her and she lets me see my kids other dude was like, no, sorry, a woman was like, yeah, you know what? My baby daddy, even though he's a drug addict, if he calls me up to see his kid, I'm going to let him see the kid. Another woman, yeah, he used to beat the shit out of me, but you know what? If he wants to see his daughter, that's her father. I'm going to let her go see her daughter. And the same thing with the last woman, too. My girlfriend, my current girlfriend, she has two baby daddies that don't see their kid but if they want to she will pack those kids up and she will bring them to go and see them you know so there's men out there that are selling drugs there are men out there that are still ejected there are men out there that are beating the shit out of their women who are more than eligible to see their fucking kid and my baby mama can't even let me get a goddamn phone call well see that's that's what i'm getting at though is the fact of you know, knowing this and again, like that decision to say, again, choice or addiction, disease, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you knowing these factors and regardless of that outside source saying that, like you just described perfectly, you know, about those other four individuals to where, you know, even though you know in your mind and hearing that, oh, well, hey, they're actively doing what they do and they're still able to see their kids. You know, how much is this going to play into effect? If I fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and maintain my addiction. But you made the decision to where, you know what? I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to do the things that are necessitated for me to, you know, achieve this the right way. And that's why I commend you. I commend you. I commend you in the decisions that you've made, the changes you've made in your life and everything else like that. But, you know, how much did that play into a lot? That ultimate choice to say, hey, you know what? I'm not using it anymore. It play a lot. So I realize, you know, like I said, there's a, there's dudes out there hitting their baby mamas and selling drugs that can see their kid. But if you look at those dudes, they're, they're not successful. Like, they have long-ass records or they're just working at McDonald's or some shit. Okay, there are some probably, like, blue-collared fucking wife beaters out there, obviously, and white-collared ones. But that's beside the subject. We're talking about the lower-collared ones. Like, I can honestly say 
two years ago, I was in that bracket. I was making $10 an hour. I was not physically, but I was mentally abused, like verbally. Yeah, I'd, I'd yell. It'd be a shouting match like a motherfucker at the house. What? But yeah, yeah, all the time. No, um, but there was never no calls of domestic, but still, it. I just knew seconds. that I wanted to be better. So that way, by the time I went to go and see my kid, there wouldn't be no reason not to let me. Like, I wanted to be financially stable. I wanted to have a house set up. I wanted to have just a straight, clean piss. Like, I wanted no flaws or nothing that could be used against me. Back. My apologies. My not very professional. Somebody's knocking at my door. I apologize about that. But uh, it's all right. But it's no, right. no. I mean, I get it though. I mean, because you know, again, how much of the verbal abuse? I mean, I mean, and that's the beauty of you being able to recognize that because that's that's key to anybody's growth. That's key to anybody's progression during the right down the right path, rather. You know, but. You know, a lot of times that emotional abuse that, you know, that we put onto other individuals, you know, how much of that was because of the own, your own emotional abuse that you were sustaining that, you know, how much of it was more of a lashback rather than it was just you saying spiteful things or anything else like that? How much of it was just a, a bitter retaliation towards the lackings or the provisions that you were not being given? So... I'm. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. The um, the verbal abuse really came to the last four months of the relationship when I started heavily using, and retro like 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 with hindsight and like looking back, it was just because I was unhappy. Um, I was just done. Um, I really did the marriage because of our son. Okay, um, now, how, how much of your past relationship, how much of the reality of everything, the use, the, the past relationship and everything to Cassandra know prior to 
you know, you guys going oh, see, in. She, hotel, went, she, went to, she went to court with us. So she knows the whole, like the whole, whole, whole story. Even before, like when I got with her, like I, I didn't tell her full on, but I told her like, look, I had an addiction problem. I'm going to do this with my baby mama, this, that, and this. And then a little while longer, I gave more. And then you don't want to give her shell shock with everything at once. Exactly. Well, hey, you know what I was to say? Oh, a guy back then. <laughs> yeah. But I showed her the pictures and everything, and she's like, "Wow, the whole transformation is just—you don't look like you." You know, um, you know, and that's the beauty of you know, again, like me knowing you for the course of time that I've known you. I mean, and then even during that course of time of me knowing you, you know, you did share a lot of your personal life that you didn't have to share with me. Mm-hmm. You know, you were open about a lot of the different things. And then, you know, again, you know, even outside of like the office or outside of work and things like that, you know, you know, us interacting, you know, but, you know, and you shared a lot of your life with me. So that's why, you know, I can sit here today. I love having this conversation with you and be able to look at everything in an unbiased sense to where we can have this discussion because i've seen the digression i've seen the progression and mm. i've seen to where you are today and I'm, I'm i'm fucking so proud of you and i i can never say that enough mm-hmm. you know and i mean there, there's an obvious factor basically as far as the why you are where you are today and that's why i wanted to have this discussion because it isn't just that i mean a lot of us we wake up and we just say hey you know i don't want this for myself you know i myself you know a lot of individuals that do know me they know the digression that i put myself through you know steve jordan was a large and and sunny lloyd they were large factors in the reason why i'm alive today why i'm able to do this today why i'm able to succeed today and things like that so you know because we all have that that changing factor in our lives that push us above and beyond. And I know that, you know, little Timothy was one of those, but, and I've also seen, you know, how much success you've tasted, how much the progression of that success has taken place, you know, since, you know, you've been with Cassandra, you know, in the happiness that, because, you well, know, a lot, of, a lot of people wear smiles. Yeah. Let's bring her on real quick. Yeah. Cause she has like 15 minutes with us. Cause she goes and gets her massage. Okay, hey, 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 so, hey, just real quick. So while one's talking, one mute their microphone. That that, that way the progression over the uh, the background, the back okay. gonna come in or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fixed that. I fixed that. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 it's good. So, but I mean, it's it's important because, you know, you, uh, you know that I do a lot with suicide. That? Do, you, yes. do you see that shit? Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've came a long way, bro. Right. But, it's, uh, but I mean, it, it is important. It is important, though, because you know I deal a lot with suicide prevention. I deal a lot with you know PTSD. I deal a lot with individuals that go through life, you know. And a lot of individuals wear smiles on their face, but a lot of those individuals wearing those smiles really aren't smiling. They have no reason to smile. It's just a, oh hey yeah I'm here, yeah. you know. But I've seen it in you. I've seen the transitions, and I've seen. You know, true happiness being instilled into your life, and I know Cassandra that you're a large part in that. So, you know, hey, Cassandra, welcome. Hi. How you doing today? Good. <laughs> and then now, how, how much of like Tim's struggle did you have to absorb in the course of <laughs> the beginning parts of the relationship and everything else too? A good portion. A good portion. Uh, there was a lot. He had a lot of emotional um, troubles you know, in the beginning pertaining to the situation, 
with his son and his baby's mother and stuff. So, and then yeah. now, did that have play any role on? I mean, I, I know you accepted Tim, open arms, everything else like that. But you know, how much of, was any of it? A, I mean, we we all face struggles in the development of who we become and things like that. But how much of in the beginning was was any of that a hurdle, a roadblock to what? I would call it like a whole entire mountain. I mean, it took work on both of our parts to, to make it work. <laughs> and then, so how much of Tim, how much of the background, how much of baby mama drama, <laughs> you know, did, <sighs> were, were, well, were you like really exposed to in the beginning I, opposed to like, now that you know Tim, and it's like, oh, hey, here's this. Hey, this. I want you to know that we have this, we have this other little factor right here. So, like, how much of it, like, was yeah. immediate? How much of it progressed in? I was getting pieces from every person, really, like that I met. So he would he would tell me generally what the situation was, and then I would meet his grandma, or I would meet um, who he was living with at the time when I met him. Um, his. Hey babe, just so you just so you know, babe, before we go in here, right? This is about <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, yeah, just a few people had told me pieces and stuff of what was going on. And then um after about two and a half, three months, he really told me everything, like had a whole breakdown. And yeah, so and I don't want to say breakdown. Not not, a, not like not like an actual mental breakdown, but yeah, like a breakdown yeah. of the situations as they occurred. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah, clarified, you know what had been going on. Hey Tim, uh, hey, hey, humble humble yourself now, Tim, because I, I I've seen I've seen some breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's been breakdowns, but I can say honestly, since you know I haven't been with my ex, I haven't had a breakdown. Well, you know, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, but in the same sense, it's the. You know, a lot of times, like uh, anybody that's going to like AA rooms, NA rooms, whatever the case may be, there's always that the discussion about the, the pink elephant, you know, about the, oh my God, these these enjoyments in life, this euphoria in life, these new things that are, you know, coming in my life right now, you know, how to accept them and things like that. So sometimes that does cause a breakdown in a sense to where it's the, you know, like my, my, my whole downfall, my whole life was the fact of, because of the tragedies I sustained, you know, me questioning if everybody that was close to me was going to turn their back on me as the same that family did. So going into a new relationship and things like that, and Cassandra being so open and accepting and oh. understanding of everything, you know, how much of that played into, I mean, because it's a heavy burden for those that come into our lives when we have so much baggage, it really is a heavy burden for a lot of them to bear, you know, and that's what makes it a blessing that things do, you know, transpire the way that they do. It's a blessing that, you know, Cassandra's been understanding of that, been there for you. And I mean, how, how many individuals going into a relationship would show that support, going to court, being supportive of, you know, wanting to be that other individual in your life that yeah. is really actually going to, you know, here in the future, solidify the fact that, you know, Timothy actually has a sustainable home with a, a mother and a father, you know, basically. Yeah, not a lot of people would do that. And, you know, there, there's times I would say, you know, I do have breaks, like, you know, every once in a while when we go to these nice fucking, these resorts and these spas, like, I get angry as fuck. And it's not that because we're there or because, you know, we're doing something fun. It's for the fact that, like, 
bro, my kid would be loving this right now. And like, he's not, he's not getting the chance to enjoy this. Like we've been to Universal, Bush Gardens, Aquatica, fucking the Sandals Resorts, the, the Pearl Resort, fucking resort and fucking uh, Leonard, uh, Jensen Beach, different resort in fucking Tampa. Like that's all we do every fucking weekend, you know? So like he's missing out on all of this, the shopping, the fun, the, the cultural experience. You know, like, and, and it's, 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 it's devastating. It's aggravating. And it, I mean, I can just keep going on describing it in all reality. Well, that that's, that's important. And that's the reality. And that's again, why I'm glad mm-hmm. that Cassandra's on here as well too, because, you know, that plays a large role and what she does and her being in your life as well too because mm. again like with cultural shock and everything else like that that's something that a lot of people don't like to talk about but it's a reality it's the you know the back of that mind again that mind fuck that hey you know timothy could be here with us right now as we're at bush gardens as we're at aquatic as we're at orlando uh, studios and things like that to where it's the and i know that cassandra in her heart you know she sees it the same way and and that's the beauty of everything else as well too is that she's able to have that same mindset you know basically as a mother as if that hey you know timothy could be here with us right now as we're doing these certain things oh and, yeah bro. and not many individuals are able to do that and to bring things into that and that that's what adds you know that that bigger strength into what you know the both of you have right now and you know it's amazing and that's fantastic because like i said we got approved for the three-bedroom apartment and the main reason we got the three-bedroom apartment was because she was like, I want your son to have his own room. And this is the case that you start flapping off with that mouth again. You can just go down. <laughs> that too. She's like, since he's only here on weekends, you can have the weekend there. And then on the weekend, you come in the room. <laughs> or, or or did you guys have that third bedroom just in case that she wants to move over for that supervisor? She can stay in that other room. Uh-huh. Oh, 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 no. No, no. Uh, we've already come to the conclusion. Anything that I get is just going to stay there. Anything she gets, I don't care. Don't need a diaper bag. Like, I can honestly say, like, this is a humble brag, but we are financially financially stable enough to fucking give this kid whatever the fuck he wants. You know, it's like, and that, that's what I've, I've always wanted. Well, and, you know, like, it, and that, that plays a large role into like your role of what you do today career-wise, you know, because again, like going back into like, you know, me witnessing like you coming into work every day and things like that, you know, and and you know that I've spoken to you. I speak to almost everybody that I see come into work about the, you know, how much of this is what you want for yourself? How much of this is where you see yourself in a year, five years and things like that. And, you know, you've always talked to me about, you know, being into a management role or being in charge of, you know, specific clients or things like that. That's why, you know, again, I'm so proud of, you know, where you are today and things like that. So with what you do today and your role, how much of that also plays into the sobriety? How much of that, you know, solidifies the fact that as far as financial backing, I mean, you're making good money, Mm. but 
also, you know, being able to be comfortable knowing that, hey, when you come into work, this is, you know, where I want to be. Uh, one second, and I will, I will answer that. Hey, just, just leave the, uh, leave the chat. Okay, I don't know how. I took her out of the chat for you. All right. All right. Yeah, she she So, um, thank you for joining, Cassandra. <laughs> um, I'll say, yo, my <laughs> with my job, I I love my job. Um, there's like no other place that I would want to work right now. Um, Marketopia is a big, a big life changer. So. They do business to business sales. They help other companies with marketing strategies, um, their websites, just picture a life coach for a company. But not only that, but their management team and the owners, you know, they're kind of like life coaches themselves. Um, I know we do hire a lot of people who are doing like the, um, the uh, prison release program. Um, we do have a lot of people that had addiction problems. Is Marketopia one word or two words? Marketopia is one word. M-A-R-K-E-T-O-P-I-A. Yeah. Um, and they hire a lot of people with, like who had addiction problems. A lot of people that want to change, you know, their life around. They have five core values, which is live the brand, golden rule, treat one by uh, treat one the way you'd want to treat the other. Um, one team, what's the other one? Um, goal driven. And I'm probably going to get chewed out for this, but I cannot remember the fifth one right now, but it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a family there. Like they have the culture crusaders, make sure everyone's happy. They, the owners every once in a while, they, they, cut the company down for like an hour. They talk and celebrate everyone. They celebrate promotion. They celebrate raises. Um, it's it's a loving environment, but at the same time, they put a lot of, they put on a lot on your plate and it's not to make you break down. It's to make you grow faster and grow just career-wise. Yeah. Well, see, a lot of that too, though, is actually kind of driving you to focus on the clients that you're dealing with on a daily basis. You know, a lot, a lot of times that I know employees they feel stresses about, you know, the expectations of a set employer, but a lot of times that those expectations of that employer, because you know me, you know, I have those expectations a lot of times, but it's because I want the expectations for my employees so that. My clients that you're dealing with or, you know, their clients that you're dealing with, you know, are being provided for at the highest level. So, I mean, I do understand that. And I know that, you know, you understand that as well, too. So, no, I, I, so when I was working with you, I, 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 I did understand that. Um, it was a script. It was every patient was the same thing. It was what medication are you taking? What's your height? What's your weight? What are you allergic to? This, that, this, that, this, that. Okay. Thank you. Right. It was. It was basically all all same shit. With, with this though, I am. Um, I'm learning about what what's hurting your company. You know, I'm trying to find a solution to help you build your company. 
not only that, we have like peer meeting groups where CEOs will come down and they'll meet with their callers and like, I'm rubbing elbows with like CEOs of major companies, which is far, far from anything I saw myself doing two years ago. But it's great because like now I have them asking me questions like, hey, how would you feel? If, what would you think if I did a web show? Or, hey, have you read this book? You know, Poor Dad, Rich Dad. Um, have you read Think Rich and Get... Uh, sorry, have you think, think, uh, think and Grow Rich? Like, they're passing me the knowledge that was passed to them. And it's, it's phenomenal. Um, one of my uh, clients that I was working with uh, actually paid for me to take tech classes, where now I'm certified in WashGuard. And like, there's so many, many like blessings that have come out of like, I, I'm just gonna say out of Marketopia, like Terry and Andre heading in general. Uh, like, I, I just can't thank them enough. You know? And, you know, where do you, and again, I know I've asked you this when you were with me and everything else too, but where do you see yourself in a year, five years? I mean, is it something that now that you are in a position to where you truly see yourself and you feel the acceptance and you feel that, you know, they want to see you grow now you understanding this and actually having that, that feeling of acceptance, that feeling of appreciation, that feeling of everything else, where do you see yourself a year, five years from now? So as I told um, my sales director, Jose, and um, my team, um, sorry, my human resource director, in the year, well, within the next four, two, two months, I see myself in the team lead role. Within... A year, I see me, if I go back to school and get a degree, I see me being a client success coach. If not, I see me on the business development side of sales. After that, I can definitely see me being maybe a trainer, um, a recruiter. After that, like within the, with, by the end of the five years, it ends up with me being in the administrative hallway. Like, I don't want to stay in one position too long. Like, I don't want to be a team lead for three years. I don't want to be a training manager for four years. I don't want to be in the BDR role for five years. I want to be in every role for like maybe a year, six months, and learn every role, get every role down pat to where I can be on that administrative team where, you know, you look that company website up and there's me and a nice sports coat, dress pants, sitting there, like, on the website. And when, you know, like, that that's where I see myself um, career-wise. House-wise, um, I mean, we just paid a year up front for this apartment, so that way we can start saving more money, um, build our credit. So within two years, I see us buying a house, um, nice little four-bedroom house, little garage, a little shed. Um, that, yeah. Um, I see me seeing my son within the next six months just because of how slow that shit's going. How much, how much of the visions that you have now for yourself, family, you know, the son, how much of that was visible before? 
in, in the moments of addiction, yeah. in the moments of, you know, having right. that clouded judgment and everything no, else. Like, I look at Cassandra every time we go out on one of these trips, and I'm like, yo, everything me and my ex talked about while being high is what we're doing now. Like, I wanted to do these things with her and my son, but the way we were together, the way there was no helping one another. Like when I'm down in a rut and I feel like I'm, I'm fucking up at work. Cass sits there and is like, nah, you, you're, you're a tiger. You're going to get there. You're going to go, you're going to set some sets. You're going to, yeah. Like you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to get these deals. You're going to, you're going to kick ass today. And she tries to help build me or she'll be like, Hey, have you taken a new certification class yet? Like when's the last time you got a certification? Like, When's the last time you've done this? She's like, fuck. She's like, why don't you get your boating license today? I got my fucking boating license today. Like, if she helps I'm on me. a boat, bitch. Look at me now. Really? I was on the jet ski with me that shit. Oh. But um, she built. She helps me to build. To She builds me to be better. Whereas I do the same with her. With me and my ex, it, it wasn't that. We were just stationary in one spot, worrying about how we were going to stay in that one spot. And then, so with that being said, I mean, because I, I, I know that in an unselfish way, you do want to have that relationship, not relationship, but relationship, you know, with, you know, with your, ex. I want to have a co-parentship. Right. Well, Where- and, and then a lot of times, I mean, there, there are ways that exes are able to, I mean, you don't have to be friends that call each other every day, but there has to be a friendship and an understanding there because, A, you know, there had to have been something there at some point to even establish a relationship to begin with, okay? So, and then during the course of that, you know, things do fall off. Again, going back to what I was saying before that, you know, on the environment where we meet an individual or circumstances of when we met an individual is always going to play a role in that outcome. And, you know, where we are today and things like that. But, you know, we have to come into understanding that, hey, I understand that, you know, you're taking this course, but this is where I see myself. This is where I want to see myself for our child, for mm-hmm. see ourselves for ourselves, because it's the there are healthy ways to ma- maintain relationships, you know, outside of, you know, the direct connection and things like that. But. You know, when and you what you just hit on where, you know, when the other party isn't really for us, I'm not going to and I don't want to say that in a negative way to where they're just completely against us. But when that daily, you know, no, when I say they're not for us, I mean, they're not they're not your right. OK, so I don't believe in soulmates. You know what I'm saying? Like I come to realize, you know, like people out here looking for soulmates. You, and if that's what you want by all means, look for your soulmate. As for me, I don't have a soulmate. I have a life partner. I have someone who is going to be basically like a business partnership with where we're going 50-50. If I see you slacking, I'm going to I'm gonna get your ass back up to see, speed. And if you see me slacking, 
you're going to get my ass up to speed because you want to see me doing better and I want to see you doing better. That That's what I mean by partnership. With my ex, it wasn't a partnership. It was so her her biggest thing when she left was saying, you don't you didn't need me. And it was because I was smoking meth in our screened in porch at night instead of laying in bed with her. Mind you, we woke up together. We went to work together. We had lunch together. We came home together. We ate dinner together. And then I would lay with her until like 11, 30, 12 o'clock till she passed out. And then I would go out to the screened in area and smoke. And if you just pick your head up from the bed, poke the blinds, you can see me. But nonetheless, it was, you didn't need me. You shouldn't need somebody in a relationship. Because if you need somebody, that just means you're not ready to be in a relationship. I didn't need her just like I don't need Cass. I want, I want Cass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want her as my business partner. I want her as my life partner. I want her to be there. I want to be happy with her. Like, this is my person. Okay, now, th the same thing with drugs, alcohol. Okay. Mm. Because, again, you know, just like the, the choice or disease aspect of it, to where, hey, I don't need you but I want you because I want to feel this specific way. Mm. The same, the same way that we bring individuals into our lives, the same way that we choose careers in our lives. It isn't because of the fact that, I mean, we choose careers because, Hey, you know, we need, we need work jobs. Yeah. yeah. We, we need, we need money. But in the same sense, you know, we choose specific careers because of the fact that I want this. I, you know, it's, yeah, we do need that. There, there is a necessity there, but the choice of, hey, look, this is what I want for myself. This is what I want for my family. This is what I want for today, tomorrow, the coming years. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that has to play a mind. I mean, in, in the mind and the same thing with relationships to where is the. Yeah, you're right. Hey, I, I don't need you here. I want you here. But if the it, it, and it's all about reciprocation, because if the other party isn't giving in what they're expecting, it's a fucking, it's a dead end road. I mean, I don't, I don't care where you go in life. I don't care if it's a career, if it's a personal relationship, it's, if it's for a personal journey, if what is going in, isn't reciprocated back to the, the expectations that we have or that we place on a certain instance, an individual or a career or anything else. If what we're giving in, isn't reciprocated back to us, what we're actually going into is never going to succeed again. Mm. I don't care if it's personal relationship, if it's career, if it's for our personal ventures or anything else like that. So, no, no you got to give <clears throat> to receive. It can't just be a take, 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 take. Now, granted, you know, I'm not going to say I was all give, 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 because that's, that would be a lie. You know, I would say in the beginning it was, in the beginning, it was it was take because I took her back after she left me fucking three times, you know. So I was like, you you gotta just prove that like you like you said, oh you you came back because you loved me, and your ex left you to go play Yu Gi Oh on your fucking birthday, like okay, fucking prove it, you know. Like what are, what are, like what 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 are we gonna do? Like show me, like show me some type of affection or some shit, 
and she did. So then it started getting reciprocated to where I started planning shit out as well. I was like, okay, how about we start going up to Pennsylvania? You meet my family and shit. And then, you know, things were going good. She had the baby. And then I want to say it was fully give because after the baby, she just laid on my, my bed with the baby for a month. I took care of her. I took care of the baby. I went to work. Then we moved down to Florida. It went back to that give, take, give, take. And then the addiction side, just, just you know, the partying and the fucking ecstasy and then the meth just kicked in. And then it kind of just, it was an excuse to act out because I was not happy where I was career-wise or relationship-wise. And I knew that. I knew that I knew that when the baby was conceived because I tried to leave her three times. I remember. But she kept coming back to my house, knocking on my door, begging me not to make her a statistic and a single mother. And I felt bad. So I took her back. And then I was like, we're going to make this work. I didn't tell her this was my thought plan, but I said, we're going to make this work. We're going to leave Jersey, get away from our family. And we're we're gonna we're we're gonna make this work. The only difference was I cut off all my family. She didn't, and she was still just bitching about me and being told to leave. Okay, now now how much of it was? I mean, I I know where she was going with it in regard to being a statistic and things like that, but. You know, Bro, I told her I didn't also, want to be a statistic. I told her I didn't want to be a black man that wasn't as far as life. That, I told her if we ever separate. I'll give you money. In fact, when I got out of jail before she, before the courts put me on child support, I was willing to give her $200 a week because of how much I was making. Because I just did not want to be a black guy on child support when I know damn well I can take care of my kid. And that's where I was going with this. That's where, that's where I was going with this, too, because... I'm a statistic now. Do well, I give well, a fuck? Well, well, the viewers at home, you know, again, that's when we talk statistics, you're always going to be the statistic. Yeah, it's the single mothers or the lead in, but I mean to be real and the anybody viewing this or anybody else, they can say one thing, but you, I, and everybody else that's viewing this, we know the fucking reality of everything else too. That you know, you're gonna be the one that is the fucking statistic. You're gonna be the one that, oh, here's another uh African American male that you know had a baby mom, left the kid and things like that, left the baby mom to be a single mother. To where it's a sympathy for that single mother that yeah. nobody really looks at the statistic as far as you know your role, yeah. you know, you're you. actually wanting to be there, and you know how much effect is that actually playing on you. Bro, the real, the, poor me, poor me, poor me. I'm left out here to be the statistic, bro. but who's the real statistic in the whole fucked up part about the whole her playing the statistic and I'm a single mom shit is bro, she left me. I begged for her to come back, like literally cried and begged for nights for her to come back. And she, she, she didn't obviously, you know? So like me and Cass were talking like three nights ago about family, you know? And I was like, you know, if something were to happen where you started doing drugs, I would put your ass into fucking rehab or something. And she was like, same thing with you. 
So like when and I've said this to Brianna too when break when like we were breaking up. If you love somebody, like you know, she said, you know, love me, and you saw I was falling deep into addiction, instead of running away, try to fucking help. Like there was a time where I asked if she could ask her dad if she can if he can watch the baby for the week and her just come back to the trailer and just help me just get straight like just cut the shit out no uh they wouldn't do that i asked her dad if she ever asked her she didn't you know what i'm saying like you can't you can't say 99 percent of addicts i'm I'm not i'm not going to use a statistic and you know because people will and hold me to it and be like, you said 99%, and actually it's like 97.5%, but... Percentage is all bullshit, because I can tell you have... Don't don't use percentage, because honestly, if I tell no, you... No, right what, I'm now, saying, what I'm saying is 99% of addicts, and, and you, you can attest to this as well, too, you know, I can attest to this as well, that 99% of addicts don't want to be fucking addicts. You know, there's something there. There's an emotion being provided. There's a reciprocation from me using drugs or me drinking alcohol that I'm not receiving from the individuals in my life, the yeah. work in my life, and things like that. So that's what that that's why I believe that 99% of it is choice, not disease, not any fucking thing else. It's the fact that, well, hey, this part of my life is lacking. This is what this drug, this is what this alcohol is providing me at this moment here and now. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah, I wasn't feeling like appreciated. I wasn't feeling like I was full of my capabilities. Uh, like, how do I put? It? I wasn't using my abilities to the fullest. I wasn't utilizing my time properly, and I just wasn't fully being me. And when I was on the meth, I was up multiple fucking days in a row to where I could do, I could play video games, go to fucking work, take care of the baby, clean the fucking house, you know, do whatever the fuck I need to do and be like, all right, well, I don't got to worry about, you know, the day being wasted because I spent the whole day doing anything. All 24 hours wasn't wasted, you know, like, yeah, you, you get some sort of satisfaction out of drugs. Mm. That's why we ch- to go to drugs. You just got to find what the fuck is lacking and fix it. Yeah, so so like how much more I mean, what you you've made it evident during this whole broadcast, but you know, where you are today, you know, how, how much of yourself today did, were you able to see? I mean, was your whole life fogged until that clarification of when, you know, you, you came to, let's just say, or how much of yourself today is what you've seen for yourself in all of the years of addiction, all of your years growing, all of the years. And like, even in your past relationship and with Timothy's mother and everything else, like that, <coughs> how much of where you are today, did you see for yourself or were you unable to see yourself where you are today? because of that cloud mind that you've had for so long. Cause again, you know, obviously, you know, it may have just started with weed, but like you said, you know, the, the cloud judgment, how slow the response time was and everything else, not being able to remember and things like that, or, you know, people talk about how marijuana is not a drug and things like that, but it does cloud judgment. It does, you know, fog memory. It does. Th- there are so many different downsides to it as well, but how much of that played into 
you not really being able to see for yourself who you yourself are today? So I can say everything that I got now and how I'm living, I saw for me when I was 12, 13, 14, 15. By the time I hit 16, I was like kind of failing school and my mom was talking me into dropping out. Ish. Yeah, no, I was passing three classes, but my science class. Like, I was just failing science. And my mom was like, well, if you fail science, you're going to get left back. You know, you might as well drop out and get your GED. You're not going to be like your cousin Amanda and get it because, you know what, she just wants it more than you. So then right there, that kind of boosted me to want to fucking get my fucking high school diploma to shove it in her fucking face, which I did. But then, you know, after the whole fucking fight with her and everything, that just, that boosted into the... Yeah, into the smoking weed and shit, and yeah, you know, it is. There's just a lot of things that just fall into it. There's, there really fucking is. It, it's mental, family, uh, environmental. Because, so, I feel once I got down to Florida, I had everything taken care of. Like I knew. I had anger problems. I knew I was prone to fucking doing drugs and shit. And I was offered multiple times before, like if I wanted a Xanax or something from other people. And I was just like, no. But once being in that fucking trailer park and just hanging around the people I was hanging around and they were just doing all the things that I wanted to be doing. And I was like, well, this is the norm here. Like, it's like going to Vegas and not playing a fucking slot machine. Thank you. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's people look at you like, what, what do you mean? You've never played a, what are you, fucking 12? I'm like, like, oh, okay. So all these people here, they're just fucking popping ecstasy, fucking Xanax and party and everything. Okay. So that's the slot machine. Yeah, that's the slot machine. Bing, bing, bing. Hit them lights. Yeah, you know? So, like, everything plays into it it's just what you choose to what you choose to do awesome and hey you know i i can't express enough how fucking proud i am of you and you know that i mean that's it comes from my heart man i mean it's the i've seen it all i mean you've been exposed a lot of my personal life as well too and but you know so i'm not going to say it takes a lot for me to say that i'm proud of somebody people that know me for me to come out and a bring you on this broadcast b to tell you that i'm proud of you it, it takes a fucking lot i mean somebody has to show that growth somebody has to show that experience somebody has to show that determination somebody has to show that personal growth for me to come out and say that i'm fucking proud of you man. and i mean Thank you. Uh, i really am proud of you tim and and you know that and you know in closing is there anything that you want to share or any kind of promotion you want to do for yourself business family or message that you want everybody else at home to know or anybody at home that you know you want to kind of encourage with anything yeah, man. So, like, I, I see it this way. If you're dealing with addiction problems or something, I'm the first motherfucker to say I don't like talking to people. What? I don't. I don't. Like, 
it could be used against you so fucking quickly. Like, look at my baby mama. You know, like it. It. I. I. I get it. But it. 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 While in jail and talking to people, I sat and cried in the middle of a pod full of like 180 men, multiple fucking times. Man, you soft ass dude. Well, we were talking about the baby, the past, and all that other shit, you know, like, and it it helps. It definitely helps. Um, I'm not going to push religion, but there was, like, a religious self-help book that I found in jail. I can't remember the title, but you read, like, a chapter a day, and it actually you, like, more inward look questions instead of like religious questions um so you really think and then you answer it you know throughout the 40 days and then you can go back and read it multiple times and see how was your it, was it changed was it rick warren's purpose-driven life yes that that was the book that was the book um oh, yeah yeah that 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 is another that's a good that's that's a good read or even something like that or just a journal also while i was in jail and when i got out i just got stacks of writing what i did that day um so there there's there's outlets so if you got the need to want to go out and do some coke or meth pexy whatever honestly go write it out Get the get get the app called Klarna. It'll give you a credit card for whatever amount you want. Take that money that you got for the meth. Go buy a pair of shoes or a shirt, and you just play cornerback every every two weeks. You know, and you just get better stuff to make you feel better. You know, that's what I do. I buy shoes. Shoes make me feel better about myself that I can't see my kid or like if I feel like I'm just failing at one point in time. Like I'll go buy. Two three hundred dollar pair of shoes, and that's that's my thing. Go find your thing. Basically, it might be fancy dinners. It might be walks on the parks. Might be a beach. I, I you gotta sit and really just take time to think. And also, I've come to realize a lot of people that are just not happy and that are just constantly doing drugs. It's because they haven't found themselves. And I haven't, I so have not found myself because I'm fucking like changing every fucking month. But work on trying to understand like what makes you tick, what makes you happy, what, what makes the dopamine run through your brain. That will definitely help with not wanting to do drugs. There's certain songs that I put on, and when certain chords or certain notes are played, I feel it being just like if I was doing a fucking line of coke and you feel that rush right there in the back of your head. There's certain songs that when certain notes play, it hits and the dopamine's released. So hey, still, are, let me ask ahead. you let me ask you a question real quick. So what's gonna happen? Because fuck you got you know, 31 32 pairs of shoes you got one for every day of the week for the month you know but uh what's gonna i started happen? giving some of them away no but i'm saying but i mean like what's gonna happen when the shoes don't do it anymore 
I mean, have you have you ever thought about that as far as the? I have. You know, do, so, do you have a release? I know you got the jackets, clothes, or extra so, releases, but I mean, because yeah. going for you know, because I, I think like now, you know, mm -hmm. at, at least you've been able to take that release and you've been able to invert it to where it's at least you're still doing for you but it's in a positive sense of doing for you to where it's appearance or it's to make you feel better and to make you so more presentable you know so it, and, and and it's always so regardless of how you do that it's still a positive release it's still a positive addiction so have you thought about the what, what happens in that moment to where there's no more shoes there's no more clothes or anything else like that so what's your message about you know finding that high regardless of it being the shoes or anything else what's going to happen if let's say those shoes aren't there so what you know do you have that safety net in place to where well hey you know what it's still going to be for self but it's going to be in this manner here so i do um you know it, there was a point in time where like shoes just wasn't doing it because i was buying just regular LeBrons and regular Nikes. So I got bored and I was like, they're just shoes now. So then I switched. Um, I'm just going to come out the bat and say it. A lot of my transformation and success is due to fucking pettiness. I wanted to be better than my baby mama. I wanted to make more money than my baby mama. I wanted to dress better. I wanted to have nicer shit than my baby mama. So I could say, fuck you. You left me in a trailer to fucking die. And now I'm wiping my ass with fucking hundred dollar bills, eating Wagyu steak. Suck it. And that, that was my thing. That was my purpose driven. And then I kind of slumped out of that and was like shoes. And then the shoes weren't doing it. So then I found different shoes. Um, like Yeezys. <coughs> and then it went to working out, um, curls. Like I'll sit at work all day and I just curl. And just like this, or I used the hand crunches to work out the forearms. And you did that forever. You did I know, but now I do it a lot more, like a lot, lot more. Um, and I I eat more, so I gain on weight. Like I'm I'm damn near two hundred pounds right now. Like, um, but then working out, it wasn't doing it. I was seeing that I was. I was releasing anger, but I still had a lot more anger built up. So then I went back to buying shoes. But this time, um, since all shoes kind of look the same, I do col collab shoes. Like, these are the Stewie Griffin LeBrons. So it's like a cartoon collab, you know? And I got, like, Simpsons. Space Jam. I have the Space Jam ones, too. I was just actually... Next payday, I'm going to order the other pair, which is uh, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote because I got the Bugs Bunny pair. But, yeah, so, like, I, I do cartoonish, rem like, remix things. I was always a fan of animation and cartoons. So to see, like, my favorite cartoons on shoes, that's my thing. I also have drawing everything else, too, because I know a lot of your artwork and everything else, too. You were able to draw, like, the Spider-Man, the Looney Tunes. I mean, you're phenomenal being able to draw and everything else, too, and express yourself through animation. Where, you know, that, that's all life really is, is an animation of, you know, the characters, personalities, and things like that that we try to portray. So Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't draw no more. After sitting in the trailer for four months straight, just drawing every fucking hour... 
I, I can't bring myself to draw without literally seeing the whole living room covered in pictures and just the whole setup and everything. And it just, it disgusts me. So then I go out and then I buy new shirts or new pants or just something like, honestly, let's be real. Clothes, shoes, pants, we humans, hey, that is never going to run out. And as long as there's celebrities doing like brand new shoes, like Travis Scott got a brand new pair of shoes that are dropping either Monday or the beginning of next month. Like it's, it's not going to end. So find something you like that, you know, is going to, going to be there. Like PlayStations, PlayStations, Xbox, gaming, AIs, AI is taking off like completely. You're able to make a simulation inside of a simulation. How fucking dope is that? Mm-hmm. So there, there's there's always something out there, you know. Just one thing I've noticed with tweakers, you guys draw, and we take apart shit and we put it back together. Stay away from electronics, mechanics, and art. For, for like, I'm serious, cause like art for me now makes me think of fucking just smoking meth and drawing. Mm-hmm. So find something out. Go go do like sports or something. Like play handball. Tennis, something of that nature. Um, you know, other people just like to get high and just sit back and watch TV. So just just go out with that one. I, I don't know. But just like everybody's watching sports today, everybody's watching football right now instead of wanting to hear the positive messages and things like that we promote, right? Oh, how dare they? <laughs> but hey, hey, Tim, again, man, I'm fucking beyond like you know proud of you and everything else too i appreciate you. you spending the time to come on here today and everything else and well, you know I, I, I pray everything pans out i know everything's gonna pan out with you know you finally getting timothy back in your life and things like that you know just keep going uh you know progressing forward positively with you know cassandra with marketopia and then you know anybody that wants to you know get with tim on marketopia to boost your business forward and things like that i know from personal experience that tim will get you to where you need to be business-wise and in personal life so everybody, I want everybody to stay blessed. Tim, thank you again for uh, you know coming on here, and you and the family stay blessed. All right. Of course, you too, Mike. Thank you. All right, bye bye.